Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Well, we're well, that's just far too excited at the moment, frankly. My name is Paul Hirons and I'm joined once again in the sewing room by the big to my Ben, the London to my bridge, the fish to my chips, the Piccadilly to my circus, the stupid to my cues on the tube and the Bengals are to my coming back to London. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. <laughs> I was. I thought when you started that with a big Ben, you were going to have some horrible Steelers tirade. For no, me no. There. There's only one big it Ben. Only got better. <laughs> that we even acknowledge on this uh, podcast, Nathan. You should know that by now. Well, I should. What unbelievable news, though! Eh? What a way to kick off. I mean, what a start to the year for Bengals fans. Uh, well, Marvin gone, which is what everyone wanted. Yeah, Bengals well, coming back to London. So you know, everyone's buzzing off their nut. Uh, well, absolutely. It's uh, it's insane. Um, I mean, this. I mean, we. I, I, I'm almost ex- too excited. I can't even talk. Look I at can't. you shaking I'm, with excitement. Shaking there. like a <laughs> dog. That's what I'm doing. Um, I'm not. But um, it is quite cold, though, and you walked into the house. Oh, mate. It's, in, no, I might have to keep blizzard. here for the night. It's snowing outside. <laughs> it's, I ain't got an umbrella. Well, you can sleep with Fanny tonight if you like. <laughs> I don't know what that's going. Fanny is our dog, by the way, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, yes, Nathan walked in like a drowned rat. Today, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, this time of the year is a bit funny, isn't it? Like, I don't know if it'll settle. I don't know if it's cold enough. But enough, enough weather chat. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm stalling it. Typical British uh, podcast. I know. Next start off with a bit of weather chat. Next, we're going to talk about cups of tea. Oh, lovely cup of biscuits. Next pod, the beer's coming out. End of January. By the time we do another one, realistically, it'd be Feb. I'm cracking some massive beers in. Okay, massive beers massive in. Massive beers in. All right, Some that's like good. obscure ones no one's ever heard of. All right. That's grapefruit IPA. I say stupid. Yes, it is very exciting. Absolutely unreal. Because um, what we could have been talking about this week was the unveiling of Zach Taylor as our new head coach. And I was all kind of like geared up for that, really. And, uh, of course, the Rams... One in a pretty controversial but amazing game yeah. in in New Orleans. Um, we'll talk about those championship games a little bit later because they were two fantastic games, yeah, I think, fantastic. Two, four uh, with four fantastic teams. Um, and then again, I warned you guys last week that uh, today, January the twenty second, um, is the thirtieth anniversary to the day. Uh, of Super Bowl 23. Uh, what time is it now? It's about coming up to 7 p.m. So 30 years ago, four hours on, if that makes any sense, the Bengals um, were running out to play the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 23 at Joe Robbie Stadium. And I wanted to mark that. Obviously, we all know what happened. We lost in the usual Bengals heartbreaking way. Um, but uh, it was such a fantastic team. And I thought we can't let this opportunity go by without doffing our caps, paying our to caps. tribute to them. So I was all geared up for that, managed to get an incredible special guest, and I'll tell you now who it is. It's the head coach of that team, Sam Weish, a bit of a Bengals legend, absolutely thrilled that he was able to come on and talk to us. You'll hear that a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, I was I was kind of like merrily going along, planning this episode along those sort of lines, and then NFL UK, you keep their cards very, very close yeah, to their, their chest, don't they? Um kind of tweeted out yesterday look out for 3pm something's going to be announced and then the announcement and then bang bang mayhem 
Bang, bang, thank you, ma'am. It's weird, though, because the first time the Bengals came over, I bought the tickets in January. Like, they came out, all the tickets came out, you got them, and that was all of it. Because I remember thinking, like, what awful timing after Christmas when everyone's skin. But I guess this year they must, because they haven't even announced the dates or the times yet. So it's unusual, No, they do it? seem to be getting later and later mm. in terms of announcements, don't they? Because you're right, I think it used to be, like, November I, time. I don't know it? if it's because of the Tottenham Stadium thing again. They're a bit cautious about, sort of, like, you know, selling tickets for an event they can't guarantee the venue for. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the hope is, actually, that we will get Wembley because... Yeah. You know, this is the other problem now with with uh, NFL games in the UK. Um, it's, it's kind of demand is starting to outstrip supply oh, a little bit. So 100%. it's almost like if you don't get a season ticket, it's going to be a bit of a lottery. Mate, I know. that's Because def- I had to do that last time get a season because I needed eight people. And to get eight people in one section, that's yeah. like the only way you have to do it, which yeah. is a nightmare. But... Also, it's going to be such a game, isn't it? The Rams. I mean, even if the Rams don't win the Super Bowl, you've got a Super Bowl team. Yeah. Possibly the most exciting, young, fresh team. Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, all of these guys coming up against, you know. Yeah, Aaron Donald. Coming up against us with a new head coach. You know, we do have strong support in the UK. Yes. Um... So I think it's going to be probably the most Well, you missed out on another couple of uh, storylines there. Andrew Whitworth, if yeah. he carries on playing, yeah. I assume he is, because he's it's still playing really well, and fitness-wise he looks yeah. good. So uh, Whitworth will be playing his old team. Yeah. Um, actually, are there any other stories? Uh, of course, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, yeah. The big one. Yeah, Are yeah, there yeah. any other stories? Yeah, just the head coach, you know. Are there a lot of Rams fans in the UK? That's a bit ignorant of me, but I don't know. Especially I, I now they've either. moved to LA. I don't know if that's like thrown people out a bit. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, you're right. Two great teams, and actually, you know, the four t- four games this this uh, this coming autumn. It's going to be October, isn't it? October, yeah, September, October. Uh, it sort of yeah. goes, might go into November. Flirts with November. Flirts with November. And says no. October's my month. Yeah. Uh, um, stays faithful to October. Stays faithful to October. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think, and uh, you know. Oh, I, did, I think it's like about week six-ish, isn't it, into the yeah. season, around that kind of time that yeah. the, sort of week the game Yeah, week six to start. ten or something like that, week six to twelve yeah. maybe even, yeah. And just, just seeing that news yesterday, it was like battle stations on, well, if you're, on Twitter. I mean, if you're a Bengals UK fan, you've got a game coming to London, a new head coach, you've got a high draft pick at number 11, you've got a yeah. new offensive coordinator that we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, who's just been announced. New defensive coordinator who, you know, has been very much um, touted out there. I mean, it, you know, we've got, we've got a free agency. It is going to be about as exciting as it will get, honestly. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, just just the memories from three years ago. Right, it's just unreal. Like, oh. Yeah. I mean, that knackered me out for about a week afterwards. <laughs> honestly, I was absolutely exhausted after that weekend, but it was just about the most... Oh, it's Fun incredible, thing ever, it? wasn't it? I, mean, we keep, that, I know we keep talking about it, but honestly... That Admiralty, Friday and Saturday night, with, you know, all the coaches and a couple of players that turned up and the ex-players, Munoz, Ken Anderson, just trying to... Yeah. Probably 300 Bengals fans in all the clobber, all drunk, all having a chat. Brilliant. Yeah. And we made really good friends together. Yeah. And what was interesting, actually, not just the kind of excitement from UK Bengals fans, 
and of course, you know, this is this is where we started Bengals UK for, uh, to kind of bring together. It's, again, it's a very idealistic and kind of utopian ideal, but utopian kind of bringing everyone together, kind yeah, of yeah. getting them out from their kind of you know laptops and their uh, wherever they are in the UK, you know, creating this umbrella so they can kind of you know chat with each other right yeah which yeah. is how we first met yeah yeah and uh, honestly people were coming out of the woodwork that i'd never heard of yesterday yeah yeah. so that's yeah. brilliant uh so any more bengals fans out there tell you mates three years on is a good time as well because you know yeah i think we've built i mean you think back then as a community we, we were nothing really i mean we had a twitter page of about three or four hundred followers like yeah. building it up slowly it was, things were going well we didn't have the podcast we hadn't done nearly as many meetups you know it was very much no solid infancy, handles no solid handles <laughs> but you know no trains to get on um but yeah i mean now it's like a much no bigger betsy. thing and, um, <laughs> no betsy but now it's a much bigger thing there's a lot more people we know we've met a couple of times yeah. so it possibly could even be better which would be crazy yeah. to think yeah i mean obviously we're going to be doing stuff we're going to be keeping you entertained and and kind of stoking up the mood between now and october because as nathan said there's going to be free agency there's going to be the draft there's going to be uh, a long period of nothingness and then uh, we're going to kick straight into the season. And then before you know it, you'll be in a pub with about 300 of the Bengals fans shouting and screaming, singing songs, which, again, we'll, we'll, we'll provide because we did some great football-style Bengals chanting last time, didn't we? Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting. Uh, obviously, dates and venues. Um, TBC. TBC. And, of course, we, we, we're looking forward to seeing our, our American friends as well because we made some great friends uh, from the Bomb Squad and um, Jim Foster's tailgate. Um, honestly, it's it's it was fantastic. And uh, I think they really enjoyed it as well. That, that, that's, that was a never-to-be-forgotten experience for those mm. guys, and they can't wait to come back. You know, I've seen some negativity from Bengals fans, especially in LA, who are a bit gutted that the game that they could yeah, probably yeah, walk yeah. to yeah, yeah. Uh, is now has now been taken away from them. But yeah, you know, yeah, sorry guys, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do sympathise with them a little bit. Yeah, I do as well. But you know, we'll <laughs> not that much though. It's also good to get all the people we've had on this podcast. I mean, you think of all the guests we've had on this podcast from the media. Um, you know, some of the ex-players, some of the current players, to be able to see them again. Because, you know, the amount of people, the fantastic guests have been as you know good as they have been to come on, to actually see them in person again and yeah. catch up will be fantastic. And I'm sure a lot of them will make the trip. And it is all about, again, very idealistic and utopian, but it is it's kind of building that community and, and making friends from all over the shop. And a few cheeky bevs. Cheeky, few cheeky bevs few cheeky sing-alongs and then suddenly you're like oh, I've had such a great time I've almost forgotten about the game itself yeah 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 anyway we'll wait and see uh, but it is very exciting and uh, it'll be Bengals Rams somewhere in London somewhere yeah, around October could be if some we've... good talent on that pitch I mean honestly though if, if the two teams were to play today yeah. there'd only be one <laughs> winner really Marvin <laughs> comes out of retirement to lead the Bengals to a come from behind win <laughs> <laughs> never gonna happen Never going to happen. Well. Um, okay, so let's revert back to the original plan uh, because, as I mentioned before, um, 30 years ago, on this day, the Bengals uh, were about to run out onto the field, uh, Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami, to play Super Bowl Twenty-Three, And we thought, you know, we're not celebrating them losing a game, obviously, that would be daft. But I think it's important to celebrate the Bengals' history and certainly that team who were just a fantastic team. 
Um, Nathan, what do you know about that team? Um, what do you? I, I was about fourteen, so I remember watching I'll the game. I'll leave you out. <laughs> I was. What do you mean? Thirty-four <laughs> years back then. You try and shave all those years off. Um, do you know what I do know about it is the missing rings episode. Yes, that was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's really NFL good. Productions, uh, mm. yeah, the NFL films are such a you know really well done piece. Um, I know bits and pieces. Some of the players, you know, how the game went. Some of the you know the controversy around Stanley Wilson and things like that. But yeah, not loads. I mean, you know, a bit about Tim Crumry and obviously his injury in the game, mm. um, and obviously the you know the heartbreaking end. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you know at fourteen, you you a big Bengals fan at fourteen, were you? Or were you well, I was. Yeah, it was a couple of a bit, yeah. Yeah, I was a couple of years into being a Bengals fan. Like I started oh. in '86, and um, and then suddenly they got to the Super, had an incredible season in '88. I mean, it really yeah, yeah. was. And then I know it's hard, probably half a lot of Bengals fans who weren't around then to kind of actually comprehend that the Bengals were that good. Yeah. yeah. A to have got to the Super Bowl. Mm. B to have the best offensive line in football, C to have a league MV- MVP in Boomer, yeah, a quarterback yeah, yeah. in Boomer Sison. Um, that's that that must be kind of like difficult to kind of really did we yeah, were we yeah. really they really were that good. Yeah, yeah. It's like watching the Saints today, mm. uh, watching the Rams, or you know I won't go as far as the Pats because they're just too yeah, good. But. But certainly, like, imagine watching Kansas City and thinking, that's my team, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bloody hell, they're really good. They're really fun to watch. You yeah. Know? So, um, but speaking of packages, I put together something uh, to, I don't know, just to kind of uh, lead you into the interview with Sam Weich, uh, which I did a couple of days ago. And um, do you want to listen to it? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Now, that was a little compilation of clips I put together from YouTube, and you might have heard the likes of our old friend Anthony Munoz, who's been on this podcast before, giving a pep talk before the big game. Uh, you heard Boomer Esiason too, and Icky Woods. Uh, but the voice you heard the most was that of head coach Sam Weich, and I'm delighted to say, like genuinely delighted, to say that Sam is on the line now. Sam, are you there? I am here, looking forward to talking to you. I want to hear all about what I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not going to be too much, to be honest with you. Uh, so listen, Coach, I, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to than you about that 1988 team and the Super Bowl run and the Super Bowl itself. So it is a huge thrill for me personally that you, you could you could come on the line for a few minutes. But before we dig into that 1988 season... Um, Obviously, we had some sad news in Bengaldom last week because uh, quarterback Turk Shonat passed away. I know that you were very close to him, so I just wondered if you wanted to say a few words about Turk while you had the opportunity. Well, Turk was uh, the backup to Boomer Esiason, and and, uh, he's just one of those guys that was loved by everybody on the team. He passed away suddenly, unexpectedly, watching TV with his wife um, last Thursday. And uh, when she called for the ambulance and he was on the way to the hospital, he died before he got to the hospital. So uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to be uh, celebrating his life in Cincinnati. Boomer Esiason and Chris Collinsworth and several of the other players have put together a little uh, celebration of his life. And we look forward to remembering the good times. 
Yeah, very well said. And we obviously mourn Turk and send condolences to his uh, family and friends. Now, Sam, uh, we got you on because it's the 30th anniversary of the uh, Super Bowl in 1989. Is that something that you think about? Were you aware of it? Um, What are your thoughts initially on that kind of anniversary? Actually, you reminded me of that when we set up this interview. <laughs> that it was thirty years ago. Wow. It's a lot. I'm getting. I'm getting older faster than I thought. You me both. But um, <laughs> yeah, time it does fly by. But the Bengals had earlier in the year they had a reunion at one of the ball games mm. of the Super Bowl team, and uh, a ton of the guys. Very few guys missed that. They were all there, and uh, they also had a review. A, um, 50th anniversary of the team itself and I was one of the original Cincinnati Bengals back in 1968 I played quarterback and um, a bunch of those guys were there obviously 20 years before that Super Bowl so we were uh, all a bunch of old codgers walking around (laughs) looking at each other trying to check each other's hairline so (laughs) (laughs) now um, okay let's rewind back 30 years if we possibly can um, 1987 was a, it was a 4-11 season. It was a strike-affected season. There was lots of strife on and off the field, I guess you'd say, and there were all kinds of player representative talks and craziness going on in that 87 season. And I guess you were under some pressure. Um, I want to ask what changed in that off season because the year before we were 10 and we finished 10 and six and. Uh, we're obviously a good team, and then '87 happened. What what changed in the off season between '87 and '88? What needed to happen to turn the team into a winning one? Well, '87 was a strike year, so that was a factor. There was a division in the in the locker room between players that were pro union, pro NFL Players Association, and then those who were pro management or pro owners of the team, and. Hmm. At different points of view, actually, you know, there were some good, good arguments. No fist fights, but some good verbal arguments right. in that locker room about different positions. So in the off season, I knew that wasn't going to. We, we weren't going to win with that. You had to have the team together. You have a, a roster that uh, maybe the last guy on the roster goes in and makes the winning tackle to save, well, you know, save the victory for you. And my plan was this, and that was to put our an offensive player with a defensive player during training camp mm-hmm. and a black player with a white player. So we had all the, the reasons the guys might divide uh, together. And I also played into it those that took one position or another in 87 during the strike. And uh, in the off season, I also pulled it out of my own pocket, paid for um, the YMCA. We had a beautiful YMCA in Cincinnati, still does, still do. And um, so that the players could go in there and in a really good environment, um, work out in the offseason and be ready to go. Mm. And as a result, they came in with a good attitude. I had people in the key roles uh, behind me on that effort and, and wanting to win Boomer Sison being one of the key guys, among others. But mm. uh, everybody came in with the right attitude. We had a good team in 87. We just lost a lot of games we should have won or could have right. won right. under different circumstances. So we put ourselves in a position to win and won the first six games in a row and um, held on at the end to beat the Buffalo Bills for the AFC Championship to play the 49ers. Now, uh, as you say, as the season ticked by, as you got into it, you know, you you had a terrific victory at Philadelphia. 
You beat the Raiders at at or in LA for the first time in a long, long time. Um, you've beaten the Browns, who are a very good team back in those days. Suddenly, you found you, and when you beat the Jets, you found yourself six and zero. Did you? Was that the moment when you thought, "Hold on a minute, we could be onto something special here"? Yeah, well, that's right. And we'd also had beaten the Rams in the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, before right. we had an extra preseason game. So we really had a good streak. You know, winning begets winning. If you if you win a game, you start to believe you're going to win the next one. Hmm. And if you get beat, uh, the opposite happens. But we had uh, we we not only won the close games. Philadelphia was a game that could have gone either way. For example, as I recall, yeah, and. Um, and we won it on the road in Philadelphia, tough place to win. And so that proved a lot of things. Not only could we win on the road, we could win the close games, we could win with injuries. And all of a sudden, this team believed they were going to win every time they won it, went out there, and they did. Yeah, yeah. Almost every time. Now, yeah. now you'd beat you'd beat you beat the Bills at home in Week 13. That was that was crucial in terms of home field advantage later on in the playoffs. Um, and then there was that crazy last game at home against Washington in the last game of the season. Though I just picked out some moments. What do you and also that fantastic I always remember this image of you kneeling by the side of, on the side of, on the sidelines when Jimmy Breach was stepping up to kick that extra t- uh, overtime field goal to win that game uh, and then you getting doused with Gatorade afterwards because you know you you'd won and you'd getting home for the advantage. Were there any particular key moments throughout that season that you really remember stick out for you? You mean that during that game? Well, I don't know say that season? that game or just as the seat. I just picked out yeah. the Washington game, but, you know, there must have been a few right. other ones that you remember, that key moments. Well, you know, the, uh, the Redskins had a chance to uh, make a field goal that would have put, pretty much put it away for them with seconds to go in the game and they hit the upright. With a very good place kicker, and then so we in uh, overtime we blitz uh, Barney Bussey from South Carolina State, right, um, and um, knocks the quarterback loose from the ball. Defense picks it up, runs it down to like almost the one yard line, maybe the one and a half yard line, and the crowd's going, "We want Icky, we want the Icky shuffle, <laughs> give it to Icky." <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, you know. You hand that you got a chip shot field goal to win. It's oh, it's over. We win it, um, or we can give it to Icky and please the crowd. But there's a chance of a fumble because if I'm a defensive player, I've been coached to strip that ball loose in yeah, a situation yeah, yeah. like that. So I made the hard call, which was not popular. It wasn't unpopular, but they wanted to see Icky go in there and finish the season with the Icky shovel. But sure. Jimmy Breach kicked one right straight through the middle of the um, uprights, and we won it. And then. David Fulcher comes over with a bucket full of Gatorade. He's going to dump me. But I'm so far ahead of David Fulcher. I've told you, I was, I was way ahead of him on this one. I had a couple of the trainers go over and get me a bucket full of Gatorade. And the two of us splashed each other back and forth and then embraced. And uh, that special moment that only happens, you know, to a few. Uh, most the teams don't have that moment mm. each year because only two teams are going to that. Absolutely, uh, you absolutely. Know, going to that Super Bowl. Um, now you mentioned Icky and you mentioned David Fulcher, who was one of my favourite players. Um, they mm-hmm. were they were fantastic. Now the whole point of doing this, I guess, is because a lot of Bengals fans here in the UK aren't old enough to remember the eighties. Uh, they they started supporting them when 
when Marvin actually came on board and, and Carson Palmer was chucking it all over the place to Chad Johnson and TJ mm-hmm. Hushmanzada, that, that's when a lot of Bengals fans here started to support um, the team. What can you tell us about that team? What what you're you're a very innovative coach. You brought in the no huddle offense and utilized that really really well, which a lot of people weren't too happy about. But you know it was very effective. But in terms of players and style of the team, what what can you tell us about that that team? Well, let me preface the answer to that is that the players play the game. The coaches prepare the players to play the game, but they've got to go out there and make the catch and make the tackle and make, uh, you know, quick decisions as to which hole to hit on the running game and so forth. And the Marvin Lewis, number one, is a terrific coach, by the way. He's, of course, he lasted a long time and you don't do that in the NFL unless you're very good at it. And uh, very, not only a good caller of the game or signal caller, but you're a good organizer of your team and, and, uh, and the coaching staff that goes with it. But they got they had the quarterback, number one, you better have a guy that can complete passes on third down, mm-hmm. first and second also. But third down is your drive stopping down. If you don't make a first down on third down, you end up having to punt or you know maybe kick a field goal if you're within range. And um, Marvin had a... Uh, an offensive line, much like we had in when I was coaching there, we had one of the best, maybe the best offensive line in football for a number of years with Anthony Munoz at left tackle anchoring the whole group. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was it. And, and, you know, once you look around as a football player, a professional football player who's had a lot of people you can compare your team to and compare posi- position players to, you look around and you start saying, hey, that guy's as good as I've ever seen, or that guy's, you know, I've only seen one guy better than him mm. somewhere else. Mm. All of a sudden you decide you're on a good team and you, you just win. You just go out there with a totally different attitude, and the attitude makes sometimes the difference in close ones. Mm, absolutely. Now, um, you mentioned a good offensive line, and it's a question I've always wanted to ask you, actually, personally. Um, when... That early part of the season, Boomer was throwing it all over the place to Rodney Holman, and uh, who was a fantastic tight end. Ed had a great tandem receiver duo of Tim McGee and Eddie Brown. Uh, and, of course, fantastic running backs like James Brooks was terrific out of the backfield, catching passes as well as running it as well. But this, as the season yeah. went on, and certainly during the playoffs when we, when we beat Seattle and then Buffalo again, there seemed to be a, a switch to the the power run game. Was that always the game plan? It's the game plan if it's working. You know, every <laughs> game, it kind of takes on a life of its own. And if you're smart, you're paying attention to the life that's chosen yeah. for you that day. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the Super Bowl itself, uh, leading up to that, you, you described it perfectly. But um, the night before the Super Bowl, you know, we had an incident with Stanley Wilson, yeah. who is an outstanding running back from Oklahoma university and um the the field the next day was going to be a little unsteady because mm. the grass had not taken hold they had resodded the field which mm. they do for every super bowl but the these 18 inch square chunks of grass mm. uh, had not taken hold and so they were coming up when you made a cut they, they would just fly out of the, the ground well i Guys like Stanford Jennings and, and James Brooks and Nicky Woods are 
were long striding, bend back kind of runners. They were excellent at it, mm. but they could, we, we lined them up deep. We had them coming downhill so they could see where the hole was about to open and they'd break into the, you know, one of three holes basically. They didn't always hit the same one. Yeah. But in this game, when they would bend back, they lost their quickness because they had to measure their steps. Right, right. Stanley Wilson would have been the exact opposite. He'd have had the defense falling down. Well, Stanley is a two, was a two-time loser to cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was his third strike, and he was out in those days. And I had the hardest thing I had to do before the game and, and after the game to live with it was to tell Stanley he wasn't going to play. Uh, in that ball game because of the a drug overdose or a drug use the night before the, the night game. before yeah that's right it's such a tragic yeah. story isn't it um and then of course yeah. you had it wasn't an, an auspicious start because of stanley uh, and his and his addiction but then of course you had more adversity to to kind of get over when when tim crumry uh pro bowl defensive tackle uh obviously had that horrific injury um, yeah. quite early in the game. Did you? What were your thoughts then? I mean, it was such a big occasion. It was the biggest moment in in your perhaps your sporting life. You know, lots of players' sporting life. Describe the role of a head coach when adversity like that happens to a team. Well, n- number one, Tim Crumry played at Wisconsin. Um, was a uh, all-American heavyweight wrestler there. So he's a tough dude. Yeah. And he was kind of the heart and soul of that defense. He, he could fire that team up by himself. The coaches didn't have to worry about that end of it. And to see him go down, he actually broke um, his leg in three places between the knee and the ankle. It's called a floppy break, and mm-hmm. it was a nasty hit. But Tim wouldn't even, would not leave the sideline. This happened really early in the game. It might have been the first series, first mm-hmm. defensive series. Um, certainly the first or the second. But anyway, he he wanted to stay on the sideline with the team. And when the half ended and we go into the locker room, the doctors <laughs> tied the uh, gurney to the wall and he couldn't get back out. So oh, wow. uh, he, he watched the second half on television, but he wouldn't even go to the hospital until after the game was over with. Mm. But losing him, of course, just lost a lot of continuity, a lot of the glue that held that team together defensively. Even though David Grant, the fellow that went in in his stead, played did very a terrific well, didn't job. He? Yeah. Had a great game. Yeah, mm-hmm. he played beautifully. Yeah, but it still wasn't Tim Crumry's uh, intangibles on the field. Yeah, uh, and yet, with all this adversity, with all the turf, and you know, it was a defensive game, and you were still there right at the end. And we all know what happened right at the end. It was an absolute heartbreaker. Um, mm-hmm. But what what are your overriding memories of that game? Do you, do you look back and think, God, I wish, oh goodness, I wish we could could have done something differently, or did we leave anything out on the field there? Do, do you know what I mean? Do you do you sometimes think that, or do you not at all? Um, yeah, and I know what it was too. Right. I mean, we've, uh, obviously, you analyze those kind of things pretty quick. Um, we kick a field goal. Is I don't know, maybe three minutes left, maybe a little less, something right in the range of three minutes to go. We're up by three points. We played a great game. The 49ers have played a great game. It's been a television gym. Advertisers are happy. Everything's going well. <laughs> and we go up by three. And um, we kick off, and, and San Francisco is holding on the kickoff, so they start out on the minus nine-yard line. So they've yeah. got to go uh, 91 yards to score. And, of course, if they want to win it, they have to score a touchdown. They could try to tie it up with a field goal. Mm. 
I went over to Dig LeBeau, and just a sidebar here, I'm wired. I've got the television has a mic on me. They've got right. a, a solo camera isolated on me the entire game, isolated on Boomer's size and also on Bill Walsh and, the, and Joe Montana on the 49ers side. Yeah. But I can't go over there and be too uh, dramatic with my comments. I've got to be <laughs> poised. And I'm talking to Dick LeBeau, who's maybe as good as any defensive coordinator ever in the mm. NFL. And I say, Dick, go after this like it's first and 10 in the first quarter. Don't sit back and play a zone. Prevent. This right. guy, Joe Montana, will pick you apart. Who you knew and who I you know coached. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I knew him very well. I coached him his first four years in the league. Coached him in his first Super Bowl win, Super Bowl sixteen, over, uh, you know, an, another Bengal team. Yes. But I said, go after this guy, make him throw it. If they score a touchdown, at least leave us, you know, time to uh, come back and, and uh, answer it. Yeah. And first play, I, and I told him, I said, if you bring five people, he'll lay the ball off. I know the system. I was there the whole time it was put in right. in San Francisco years ago. And we bring five guys. Joe drops back, lays the ball off. We come up and make the tackle at second and eight mm -hmm. at the 11-yard line. So, and then the next play, prevent defense. Next play, prevent defense. And I'm going over trying to say get back into basic first mm -hmm. quarter strategy and uh, you know Dick's idea was different and he had done a great job all year long and uh, if that was anything I could do I'd be a little bit more demanding and, and you know make that happen but remember we drop a pass uh, just a few plays before the yeah. touchdown that won the game for the San Francisco 49ers we yeah. drop a pass in the end zone Lewis Phillips our defensive back yeah, yeah. And if we catch that ball, he just falls down in the end zone. They only had one timeout left. We mm. win the ball game. We're world yeah. champs. So, and that's what it that's, takes. Uh, that's what happens in sport, isn't it? It's, it's just awesome. those little tiny moments. You know, it's such a fine line between mm -hmm. victory. Listen, Sam, uh, you've been brilliant, and I could talk to you all night, but I won't because uh, I'm sure you've got lots of things to do. Um, um, well, you can call me back anytime. I enjoy talking to you, and I enjoy talking to our, our audience in, in uh, England. This is a rare treat for me. Well, uh, well, uh, we yeah, appreciate I, the support over there. Believe me, you, you 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 were quite shocked when I told you about Bengals UK yesterday, weren't you? But um, yes, there are Bengals fans here. This is what we do. We try and unite these guys here in the UK and. I think uh, having you on will be a, a, a big deal for a lot of people. But I just wanted to finish off. Um, you mentioned in one of your locker room speeches about a fraternal bond uh, between your players, and the players seem to have that, and you. Uh, when you go through that experience, that shared experience with a group of people like you did, um, it must must you must look back on that as a very proud man, and also as you know, you look back on it as a very special journey that you went on with these guys. Well, it is, and it's a long one, and, and it's uh, one that's very unforgiving. You know, you drop one pass, and it's the difference in being a world champion or being the AFC champions. Remember, the two teams in that game are champions, AFC champion against the NFC, mm. and the winner is going to be the world champion, uh, theoretically. Yeah. But um, the players by the way, won't wear that AFC or NFC championship ring. They call that the loser's ring. Right. They lost one game, but it was the Super Bowl, the big yeah. game. Yeah. 
And so that's the, the, the big difference in the whole thing. The other thing is, you know, you come back and every year you're the bullseye for everybody that you play the next year. Yeah. You're the last year's Super Bowl team. Yeah. Even though you didn't win it, you're one of the teams. And so this next season is markedly more difficult than any other year. Mm. And uh, the next year we didn't make the playoffs. In fact, a lot of teams don't make the playoffs no, the year after right. they go to the Super Bowl. That's right. I think you got you guys finished eight and eight. I think in eighty nine, didn't you? And then um, nine and seven in ninety. And um, yeah, listen, Sam. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on Cincinnati. And um, yeah, maybe we can speak again sometime. All right. I'm. Uh, you know how to get me here. These these wireless phones they put out. I don't know what they call them over there, but they're <laughs> just wireless phones to be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I am. I've got one in my pocket all the time. Call me anytime. So there we go. How about that? I think the that man was man himself. I mean, he was a hero to me, and yeah, still is. Yeah, but yeah. you know, he's had a rough time with his with his health recently, and it's great to see that he's still going strong. Uh, but he really was a hero. He was. He was. He was. A, he had such energy. He was like almost like an older version of McVeigh. Almost, you know, he had that yeah, energy. Yeah. He came across really well on that interview, and also in the Missing Rings episode. I thought, yeah, you know, really charismatic. Yeah, and, that's know, the word, a good leader, and he was quite feisty and passionate. Yeah, as well. yeah, he had yeah, ding dongs yeah. with the opposing coaches. <laughs> that's what it was you hilarious. Love, though, that's you what know. you want, though, and you want a bit of passion. His rivalry with Jerry Glanville is the stuff of is legend. That a geezer from the Bills? Uh, no, it was uh, the Oilers, the Houston Oilers. Oh, the Houston Oilers, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah and yeah. then you know they had he had a real rival with Marv Levy, the, the coach of the Bills. Oh yeah, because yeah, Levy yeah. didn't like the no huddle offense and thought it was against the spirit of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, and then, of course, uh, Levy started using it the year after and they went to four straight Super Bowls. So yeah, it can't have been go. that bad. No, no. Um, but, yeah, what a guy. I mean, it was a real thrill for me personally to talk to him. Oh, so, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Who would you equate that Bengals team that went to the Super Bowl? What sort of style would you say they were compared to our team of today? Is there any particular team that you look at now and you say that sort of mirrors the Bengals back in 89? I reckon... The Saints, the closest. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you had a quarterback who, for that year, for a couple of years, he was really good 86. Mm. As Sam mentioned in the interview, 87 was kind of strike decimated. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't just the Bengals. That every, a lot of teams were all over the place. Yeah, yeah. But what Sam put on to Boomer in terms of calling plays at the line, he was a bit like Peyton Manning in the style of Peyton. Not so much like Breeze, but actually a bit like Breeze. Yeah. But I reckon if you were to say, like, Tom Brady was like Montana, two mm. very cool customers. Yeah, yeah. Lots of zippy little passes, keeping the chains moving. Uh, Boomer was like Peyton Manning. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the comparison that I would make. He was really good at calling plays, and he had to with the no-huddle offense. So, yeah, yeah. you know, if you see kind of clips of those guys... Um, Boomer would just kind of go up to line, stand around, chat a bit, and say, "Right, you go there." Blah blah blah. blah. He would audible, do whatever. So he yeah, was, yeah. it was him. He was the kind of field general out there. Yeah. He had a fantastic arm as well when he wanted. He's to. a lefty, and he boomer. yeah, he was. Yeah, 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 you don't see that anymore, do you? There was Mike no. Vick. Yeah, and yeah. you just don't see that in the NFL. I mean, of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, I couldn't I name you a lefty. No, not today. I not don't today, think, which is no. weird. I know. Um, he was also very, very good at play action fakes as well. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. really yeah, good. Yeah, I did know that. Like to the extent yeah. that he would fool the cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had the best offensive line of football. Always a big thing, isn't it? Munoz, think, yeah. Montoya, Bruce Reimers, who was really good. 
uh, Bruce Kozerski, who was a good centre. You had a really good tight end, who's mm. better than Eifert. Russell Bodine. And no, uh, he wasn't there, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he was... He might have been just a, a glint in his parents' eye at that stage. <laughs> but um, uh, And you also... So that helped. You had a really good tandem-wide receiving duo of Tim McGee and, and Eddie Brown. Mm. Uh, and then you had these two fantastic running backs. I mean, Icky was a bulldozer, and yeah, Brooks was this Icky. kind of thin... James Brooks is this thin, wiry guy, not massive, and you think he's going to get kind of blown over by by a stiff breeze, but he was actually one of the toughest guys you'd ever see, and he would yeah. catch it out of the backfield really quick, really shifty. That offense was just incredible. Yeah. And on the defensive side of the ball, you had things like they were kind of quite opportunistic, so they kind of gave up a few yards here and there, but they really clamped down towards the playoffs. Mm. Uh, you know, you had David Fulcher at strong safety, who was incredible, yeah. like a linebacker playing strong safety. Mm. Solomon Wilcots, who's been on this episode, yeah, who was a really yeah, good free yeah, safety. Yeah, yeah. You had a Pro Bowl cornerback in Eric Thomas. Um, you had Tim Cromeray, an all-pro nose tackle on the line. Yeah. And you had good, solid players like Jason Buck and Jim Scow and all these guys, you know. God, you're, you're telling this like it was yesterday. Honestly, you? I get really 30, excited about it. These 30 years are just coming back to you right now. Because you do. I mean, it's, that's the first team that yeah. I supported. And, and imagine thinking then that's the last Super Bowl you'd see with the Bengals in it. I know. Years well, later. that's the thing. I thought, hold on, I picked the right team to support <laughs> yeah, it. No, you thought you were going to get And it's like, right, okay. Um, and then the 90s happened. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were, they were a great team. And you know they the the way they went through that season. There's some great games. Yeah. Uh, like Sam, we we're talking to Sam about the uh, the uh, final game of the season against Washington, the overtime victory. They needed to win that to to get home field advantage, oh. and that was a bonkers game because Washington missed a field goal yeah, to yeah. win it, and then we went into overtime and and won it and uh, did them over. Did them over. So yeah, it was it was it was a, a brilliant season and. Um, it was interesting what Sam said about the turf, something he didn't really think about, but it makes total sense because that Crumroy injury yeah, was savvy, just he done his knee in, didn't he? Yeah. Well, no, it was a it was a triple leg break below the it? knee, Oof. and it was one of those. I think they call it a floppy break. Yeah. So he broke it, and it just anyway. I think you get the the idea yeah, with yeah. the name. I remember that seeing our missing rings. They had to set his leg, didn't they, and all <clears> sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Stanley Wilson controversy the night before. I mean, that yeah. was crazy. Um, so to actually hold, I think that turf was actually quite a level because the 49ers were a serious team. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, mm. you know, Roger Craig was really good. They had a good defence with Ronnie Lott. That, that's, that's the one where the, um, the guy had the interception in his mitts, didn't he? Right on his chest. And of course, yeah, that's the final thing that, that Sam mentioned, the the interception that should have been by the late Lewis Billups, you Lewis know. Lewis Billups, yeah. That's who it. had that... You know, it was one of the easiest interceptions you'll see. And you would have caught it, Paul. I think. I think. Fourteen-year-old you, I reckon. <laughs> you'd have been a bit, little bit slimmer, a little bit more youthful. <laughs> Might have just plucked it out of the sky, taken oh, mate. the knee in the end Imagine, zone. imagine. I would have Bengals tried to run in. it back. I think. <laughs> Fumbled it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Picked up by Montana and just walked in for the winning score. Yeah, that'd probably be my luck. I've been talking loads, Nathan. So, but what have you got to say, man? With that team, what happened to him the next year? Because you hear a lot about these sort of like teams about you know the Super Bowl teams. Yeah. What happened to him in ninety? Uh, it was weird. Like as again, Sam said in that interview, you know you've got a bullseye on your back, and yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah. awful in ninety nine, but they were just inconsistent. Yeah. Um. Still, more or less the same players. Um. You know, they finished eight and eight. 
Icky got injured. That was oh, a did big he? thing. Did Crumry come back? He did, yeah. Oh, did, did, in that season, back? but from Jesus memory, Christ. he did. He uh, towards the end of the season, I mean, it wasn't like you know yeah, he wasn't yeah. ready for OTAs or anything like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, he Stanley went. Stanley didn't play again. Did no, he? he's never played again. That's and crazy, I think I keep yeah. seeing stories popping up that he's still in prison or he's relapsed. He's, he's still around. Mad, isn't it? Um, you know, it just shows you. Think you what... if he didn't get caught the night before, the geezer might have been out there. You well, know he would I mean? have been buzzing off his nut. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. I don't know when. Uh, it was 1990 that they got back to playing anywhere near they they could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they lost in the playoffs to the Raiders. They smacked up the Oilers in the first round. That was which was their last playoff game. They won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1991. Yeah. Slightly embarrassing, but there we go. Um, so. But I don't know. I mean, it's. Can you possibly imagine the excitement of being a bank? Because now, obviously, back then, I was in my parents' living room, kind of on my own, watching it on Channel 4. Uh, now we've got laptops and Twitter. In colour? Of course it was in colour. <laughs> I don't know, do I? I was. I, with 1989, I wasn't even born. That's. Oh, good. Wait till I was born me, in 90. Were you? Yeah. There you go. 1989. It could have been a black and white TV for I know. It wasn't. It was a colour television. We had electricity as well, Nathan. And running water. It was amazing. Um, But yeah, can you imagine that excitement today? Oh, mate. It's easier to get to America. You can watch stuff online. The excitement would just go nuts, wouldn't it? Yeah. Do you know know what's going to be the new thing? And I reckon when the Bengals make the Super Bowl, this is how we'll be watching it. And this is going off topic a bit, but I'm really excited by it. Go on. Have you seen these things they're doing, the virtual reality sports games? So you basically put a headset on and you're in the front row. Yeah. So you're literally looking at the game. Now, I don't know how it worked for the NFL, but I guess you'd just be sat at the 50-yard line, like wherever you want to be sat. I think it's great. Stick the gaff on and you're Yeah, you just like pay a premium season ticket for your team. You could watch watch your team... As if in the stadium. Yeah. Wouldn't beat being in the stadium. But well, it'd be, be as, well you'd, you'd be as noisy and you'd be, literally probably be as good and you just whack the headset off and crack a beer open out the fridge. Exactly, yeah. I don't know if anyone would go to the games anymore. Though. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? You'd have like just what, one seat with a camera on in the yeah. front row and that's the end. And no atmosphere. To be fair, PBS was halfway down that route last <laughs> yeah, week. Well, last yeah. Year, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for that. I am as well, but you wonder. I mean, but they just make attendances cheap as chips. Tony Romo in, in your, your nut, yeah, yeah. But make attendances like like nothing. Yeah, like five dollars, ten dollars. Yeah, make all the money from the TV revenue and these this technology, and then the teams could just sell tickets for five dollars a ticket. Cheap you, beers, like get everyone there if they want to come, they come. But you, if not, don't worry about it. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, you know. There we go. We should make a business model. There you go. Cut this out of the podcast and we'll, right. we'll have this for ourselves. Okay. <laughs> um, we've got a few reminiscences from uh, um, Bengals UK Twitter crew. Memphis Soul Stew sent me a direct message. He had so much to say. At Stuart Baird 688. My memories of Super Bowl 23. I had been a Bengals fan for a couple of years then. My best friend at school was a Redskins fan. My brother, a Giants fan. Both of them had tasted success. And I believed that this was our time. I had to rely on CFAX and the Sun newspaper God, for results. Mad. Never rely on the Sun. And at Highlights Programme, Tuesday evening on Channel 4 and reading Touchdown. Do you remember Touchdown, the old no. NFL newspaper that came out over here every Thursday? <laughs> My mate... Like uh, the Beano? No, it was like a news. It was like a newspaper that oh, came really? out, like yeah. a little kind of Berliner-shaped newspaper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was all we had. It was yeah, pretty yeah. good, though. Um, where was I? 
Game night was the first time I'd seen the Bengals live. I remember the horrible injury to Tim Cromroy and the return by Stanford Jennings. Sadly, it wasn't to be. The game-winning drive crushed me. But when you give the ball to one of the greatest players ever, I knew we had to make a stand. I had to do my paper round a couple of hours later than I bunked <laughs> off school. That's uh, a quality r- story. Absolutely. Uh, Martin Greer at Martin Greer, 73. 88-89 was the greatest sporting time of my life. <laughs> 15 man, years Martin. old and Luton Town, holders of the League Cup and the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals marching on to the Super Bowl. Remember being devastated for 69, then ecstatic for Stanford Jennings. Winning the ring for Cromwell would have been awesome. It really would. Mm. Uh, the Ugly Game at Ugly Game. Hello, Martin. I went back and rewatched the game a while back to see if it still hurt. In my memory... We'd been robbed. In reality, Boomer was poor, and when it counted, Montana and Rice were untouchable. Still can't believe Billups dropped it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Boomer didn't have his best game. In fact, he was, uh, you know, uh, they went to the power running game during I mean, Boomer hardly threw it for those two playoff yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he really didn't. I mean, it's like some, some crazy stats like, I don't know, the Bills, he, he likes. It was seven out of twelve for eighteen yeah, yards. It's unusual, like wasn't it? Because he's a he's he's known for his arm strength. Wasn't Absolutely, he? yeah, yeah. Um, so um, there we go. I hope you've enjoyed our little kind of tribute to the team. They really were really fantastic. I mean, it's. I mean, let's hope that the Zach Taylor, when he gets announced uh, as as head coach, new head coach, he can kind of turn this team around and. Get some energy back into it and get some innovation and mm. and see what happens because there was plenty of innovation on show on at the weekend, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Last point, just on that quick one, which I think is fascinating that rewinding the clock back that far is the disengagement back then with technology in terms of how for fans like yourself and Stu and stuff like that, and Martin, just how you can access the games. Obviously, yeah, on Channel Four you can watch the Super Bowl, but week to week with the Bengals, it's almost like you know there's no internet, you've not got any like satellite TV packages you can. And pay for then you know there's no fantasy football there's none of it and I think for people of the younger generation you know fans in their early 20s and pe- things like that you can't imagine life without it I mean even for me I, mean, I, was, I was a fan when I was 14, 15 and I literally spent two seasons watching the NFL live score page for the Bengals when you yeah. when you literally see the counter move forward like Rudy Johnson <laughs> runs for five yards right, right. and it moved five yards forward yeah. I always remember the Denver game when Brandon Stokely went down the sideline and you just saw this huge arrow I know, and you thought what the hell is that what's, what's going on there but I yeah. think you watched the video highlights two days later and that's all you got yeah I mean you um, know. I mean, it was even worse for, I mean I, I don't know if I well, told this story for us it was uh, my mate told me that you could get you could tune in to the armed force american armed forces radio <laughs> on this particular frequency on medium wave but the um the uh, the reception was so poor you had a bit of sort of russian opera drifting in and then some sort of <laughs> different Norwegian Nordic language you know it was one of them that kept drifting crazy, in yeah, yeah. and literally you were listening there with your ear to the to the speaker just I mean some Sunday nights came through crystal clear and it was mm. great it was like you know just listening to like Lappen down, yeah, down yeah, Horn yeah. most most Sundays it was like you could just hear it in the background literally just hear Touchdown. it <laughs> yeah and uh, and of course the Bengals were never weren't on that often yeah yeah and then um, the daily. My dad used to get the mirror every and every day. Still does, 
And uh, so there was a little kind of paragraph in the scores section on the Tuesday. So that was often when you found out That's crazy. whether your team won or not. Yeah, yeah. And then you had highlights programmed the following week on Channel 4. Yeah. Uh, and in between then you had Touchdown that came out on a Thursday, which was the new, the American football newspaper. Yeah, yeah. And then apart from that, didn't have anything. Yeah, it's, I, find <laughs> it's that, I find that really interesting, you know. Yeah. It's not that long ago. It's like you're talking like 50, 100, it's like literally like 30 years ago. It's not that long in, you know, that terms. But The internet, man, changed. Yeah, it's the very interesting. Game changer. We're, si- little... we're sitting here talking about headsets where you can watch the game in VR. <clears throat> Mad. That'll be five, ten years' time, maybe. Even even sooner, maybe. Anyway, uh, we've got a few things to talk about. Um, We're talking about innovation. Um, You want to talk about the championship games? Yeah, what do you think? Great. Yeah. Just two really... I mean, (laughs) I know the the Saints game was weird. and Not weird. It wasn't as... I don't know, was it, though? I really enjoyed the New England and the Kansas City one. I thought that was just... I only watched it at half-time. Brilliant game. Yeah, yeah. I think the game with the Saints and the Rams was brilliant. It was end-to-end. It was a repeat of that fantastic game they had earlier in the season, but slightly less scoring. But I don't like this this sauciness about that bad call. I, I mean, think it was a bad call. It was a bad call, but I think what the, what you don't see in that, when you see it in slow motion, you don't see the ball. You just see that geezer from uh, the Rams turn his body and just take Tommy Lee Lewis out. But... The ball's there. Like, he makes the players... When In instant time when I watched it, I was like, leave it. Like, the geezers hit him as the ball's, like, right on him. Like, the ball wasn't... wasn't like, it wasn't like the ball was, like, going to be there and he was taking out the play so he couldn't catch it. The mm. ball was almost there or past him. Now, it should have been called. It should have been called. But I don't like how everyone everyone's literally like, that's it. They're, they're launching lawsuits and people yeah. going berserk about it. And, you, you know... NFL's such a complex game. There's holding calls that get missed on every play. There's, you know, face mask penalties that have been I think missed. you just got to let I mean, it I go. Think, I think that's the argument, isn't it? When you've got a game with so much on the line and for a call yeah. so, so blatant not to be missed, where, but where do you draw the line? Because exactly. as you say, there's, you know, I saw, I saw calls in the in the Pats and the Chiefs games. Like, come on, man. That yeah. one rough in the past on Brady. Nonsense, yeah, exactly. Um, but maybe something does need to be done because the officiating there has been some bad stuff this year. But where do you do it? Do you is every does every play become challengeable? Does, yeah, you know, I mean, that's not good for the flow of the I, game. I think that if they're going to do it, you get one challenge a game, or two, maybe two at the absolute most, or one. But if you get it right, you get another, and that's it. And it's up to a coach to decide if that's a worthwhile play for him to challenge, and that's on him. Because I think I feel bad for the officials. They're trying to do a good job out there. They're not trying to screw anyone over. And you can say, well, they're doing a bad job. They should lose their jobs. It's all subjective. You know, they're out there genuinely trying to do their best, and I feel very it's difficult. And if I was a Saints fan, I probably wouldn't be saying this, but no, I think no. you've got to take the rubber to green with it. The Bengals have been on the receiving end of some terrible calls. We've also been on the receiving end of some fortunate ones. Well, it's so, it's it's uh, what comes around goes around, yeah, rubber yeah. to green, all that kind of business. Exactly, and it, it happens in uh, in football over here as well. Exactly. You know, people get angry about ref calls and whatnot. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because this one seems to have really kind yeah, of well. you know really struck a chord and I do wonder whether the competition committee is going to come up with some new rules some new wrinkles yeah I mean the thing knows. is as well it's like with, with VAR in football it, and they use it in Serie A and I watch a lot of Serie A 
And it, if anything, it's even more complicated because you'll get a situation where, like, you know, you, you'll have a handball reviewed for penalty, for a penalty and you'll see it on the VAR and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a penalty. And they won't give it. And there's controversies, or why didn't you give that? It's yeah. so subjective. And week to week, another week, you have a very similar situation. They'll review it and the arm will slightly be out or this will slightly be out and they'll give it. And it's the consistency even of using technology that one referee, one week, will see that as a penalty. Like On something like pass interference, in slow motion, it's so difficult to know where the ball is, are they interfering mm. with the play? And, and sometimes you've just got to let these things go and just get on with it, you know what Suck I mean? It up. But then again, tell the Saints that. Tell, yeah, true. Tell someone, tell the players and a team who've worked incredibly hard, put their bodies on the yeah, line right, for 16, right. 17, 18 games, yeah. and they, they're in position. I mean... I mean, there's no guarantee they would have won that game, the Saints, No, by the yeah, way, yeah. Because the Rams were starting to really, I mean, I think the Rams deserved to win. Yeah. Forgetting, you know, leaving that call out of it, I think they deserved to win. But, um, but yeah, Whitworth's in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Reinbold made, it, just just finish on that point, Jeff Reinbold made a good point. He's like, the Saints got the ball. Like, yeah. they, they came out, they could have drove down the field, scored a touchdown and ended it. You know, you've got to think that it was that it was theirs to win. They could have put the ball in the end zone after that. Like they had their chances. Yeah. So you, you know, absolutely. Um, and then the other game was I just thought it was yeah. terrific. Two very different styles of, of team. You know, yeah. The way they pay. I mean, they. You know, it's it's every year and it's boring. But they are the yeah. way they step up in the playoffs and just take teams. That, I mean, they took apart that Chargers team. Yeah. At the, the game before in the divisional round, and then. The first half against the Chiefs, it was just an absolute masterclass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and to go into Kansas City as well in hostile yeah. conditions, a loud stadium, absolutely. and just put on a clinic. I mean, the Patriots, I think what everyone misses every single year is you get really hooked on the exciting teams like the Chiefs, the Rams, the people like that. And in that game, the Patriots were the underdogs, which is funny, really. You know, the yeah. defend, you know, the guys that have been there and done it a million times. And it's not sexy, but experience in those games is so valuable. Mm. And you look at the Patriots on paper; they haven't necessarily got the pizzazz that they've had in the past, the big star names like the Randy Mosses and things like that. But they're just so confident. They're so experienced. They've been there. Mahomes, you know, it's his first. It's his first game, the conference title game. I thought he he. He was throwing the ball. He was putting too much mustard on that yeah. ball. He was overthrowing it. Uh, yeah, high, too hard. Not you know. He he the looked def- kind the of defense like, looked a bit lost. They didn't you know they didn't seem like they could get it all together in the run game. But it was and, almost like with the Patriots, they didn't need to play any wide receivers. Almost yeah. they were just like kind of you know there you go James White, there you go Rex. There was a third down. There you go Gronk. There you in, go Edelman. Yeah, there was a third down in the first quarter, third and five, and Brady just called a play at the line. Like you could see, he wasn't happy with the play. Kill, kill. And he just motioned out of it, draw play on third and five. And if the Bengals had done this, you know, we would have been throwing stuff at the screen. Yeah. Third and five, draw play to James White, he gets five. Yeah. On third, you just think, how can he do that? You, you, you know, third and five is always a passing down. Yeah. Patriots like, no, we're good, we'll hand it off to White, and he gets it. And that was what they were doing. White third is down. unbelievable. Yeah, isn't he is. He's just Especially such a clutch the player, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. And that's what you need. You need. Yeah. They might not be like they don't have the measurables or the blazing speed or the mm. you know the the big personalities. They just get on with their jobs and they do it really yeah. soundly and execute really. really I mean, really on well. their defense, I could only off the top of my head name you one player that Flowers geezer. Do you know what I mean? I could. I know that's no disrespect. Where you no, 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 disrespect no. to the Patriots, but that's how efficient as a unit they are. Yeah. That half time, Chiefs had nothing on the board. 
yeah. in their home stadium. I mean, they were averaging something stupid, like 30 points a game. Well, they, they didn't have a point. They took out Tyreek Hill completely. Yeah. One catch for 42 yards. Because mm. when he caught that, I thought, hello, here we go. Here yeah, we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, no, no, yeah. we don't go. It's just unbelievable for me. You know, you've got to own Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, not the two most likable fellows out there, but you've got to give credit where credit's oh, I, due. I, I, actually, I think the, the more, weirdly, the more they do this, the more respect I have for them. Yeah. I know, I know. Respect, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, how, know. you know, how do they do that? And why don't other teams do this? Yeah. You know, why? Anyway. Whatever. It's unusual, isn't it? It is unusual. Very unusual. And that's got to be coaching. I mean, yeah. you've got the best head coach of all time. Yeah. And you've got the best quarterback Arguably, yeah. of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's quite a good duo, I think. You could I win a lot Josh of games. I think Daniels doesn't get enough credit. Well, the, the game really he called he against uh, yeah. the Chiefs' defense was just masterful. I mean, he know? he should be the hottest name in head coaching, really. I mean, I don't even think he did a particularly bad job with the Broncos, but you know, he he has been there throughout all of those successes, and he's quite you know, like he said to the Bengals when we knocked on his door, he's like, I'm good. Like he said to the Colts last year, yeah, yeah. You know, he could have been leading Andrew Luck back to his Renaissance season. He said, Do you know what? I'm going to stay and win another Super Bowl and I, and I mean Bill Belichick's winding down now and I think he knows he's going to get the keys to that you know extremely prestigious franchise I wouldn't be surprised if if they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl oh mate I, yeah well I think it's I'll that experience on the Rams. thing again but you know it's that experience thing again Brady's been there a million times and done it and you've got a geezer like you know well interesting McVeigh's treatment of Todd Gurley yeah Gurley's knee's done I think interesting it? I think we'll see They've got two weeks. I do think the last last point on that Chiefs, they really miss Kareem Hunt. I don't think mean people want to say it, they don't want to float Kareem Hunt's name out there, but he was, I think, possibly the best running back in the NFL as a dual threat running back to possibly. lose him. I mean, Damian yeah, yeah. Williams is a solid replacement, but unlike in the NFL, you just seems like you can chuck like for the Rams, you're chucking in an overweight CJ Anderson. You did well, though. Yeah, but this is the thing: if you've got a line like that, you probably yeah, do yeah, will true, run true, fairly true. well. You know, you'll pick up your threes and fours where someone like Gurley might get you six. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think the Rams are badly missing Gurley, and if he's not, and I don't know if something like his knee can heal up quickly in two weeks. I think they really missed that, and I think the Chiefs seriously missed the versatility of Kareem Hunt. Yeah, but what can they do? What well, do? I mean, they can sign Le'Veon Bell, for instance. That's my hot tip, hot take for next year. Yeah, well, yeah true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and someone, I wonder if the Steelers will sign Kareem Hunt. You know, it could be. Do you think he's... he'll get? I mean, I don't know why we're talking about Kareem Hunt. Really. No, do I you shouldn't. Think... I hate him. I do hate you... what he did. I hate uh, and th- that sort of thing. There should be a sort of at least a two, three year ban. On that, yeah. I mean, it was such a, an awful kind of incident. Yeah, yeah. The same with Ray Rice. The same with anybody that commits uh, acts of oh, no, no. spousal abuse. I'm getting on my kind of Judge Hirons thing now. Yeah, but, but think about the geezer on our team. Well, that's it. I I, I wasn't happy when we drafted yeah. Nixon for that reason. Yeah, I'm still not as enthusiastic as some other people about Joe no, Nixon. No, same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. But he's doing all the right things. So yeah. what, no, you, no. what are you going to do? It's it's kind of a tricky one, isn't it? Um, right, uh, that's that's enough. We're a Bengals podcast, um, and we've just spoken about other teams for quite God, a long feel time. Feel a bit dirty. <laughs> feel a bit di- dirty. Um, Scott Gibbler, that. Uh, no, I think he's outside. On, on dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, son. Tune in next week for other fantastically lifelike accents. Uh, from around the UK, Nathan will do Welsh and Cornish, I think. Um, um, yeah, um, just before we sign off, um, uh, Brian Callahan. 
Yeah, exciting, isn't it? We've gone full youth, haven't we? We've just gone. We're going to be like the trendy lads on the block, aren't we? Yeah, there's going to be like with the gal- millennials. With the millennials, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be having the flat whites be- on the sidelines. Yeah, absolutely, you know, all vegan food for the players. You They're going to be wearing skinny jeans, yeah. ripped skinny jeans, grapefru- moccasins without any yeah. socks. That's it, mate. Grapefruit IPAs in the Bengals, but like the Paul absolutely. Brown Stadium. Um, but it's interesting that John Gruden announced that he was going yeah, to at yeah, the Senior yeah. Bowl and literally came out before I pressed record uh, for this episode. And it's... Uh, it's, it's uh, do you... What? <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring me there, why? <laughs> oh, hold on. My chair's about to fall apart. This is a strange mm-hmm. series of events. Sorry, the leg on this antique chair had just fallen it's over. It's all falling apart in the same um, room. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the QB coach of the Raiders, um, um, someone, uh, obviously it's a senior bowl happening uh, at the moment. Uh, check Joe Goodbury. Joe Goodbury's there. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and tweeting about it. And uh, John Gruden in his press conference, because, you know, all the head coaches and whatnot go, well, not all of them, uh, go to the senior bowl. So, yeah, John Gruden was there in his press conference chatting away someone asked him a question about Brian Callahan he said well I've got an announcement to make uh, Brian's going to be going to the Bengals to be offensive coordinator that's mad isn't it yeah. and of course the Bengals haven't said anything yet so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know hopefully and maybe he's, Jack Del Rio I think everyone wants Del Rio he seems to be I'd the be most I'd be very happy with Del Rio yeah he's yeah. experienced isn't he yeah yeah and, yeah uh, he did well as a uh, he's a defensive-minded coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's uh, Brian Callahan, son of Bill, who was Zach Taylor's head coach at Nebraska? Am I right? Yeah, saying? I think so. And Bill Callahan reckoned to be the best offensive line coach in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Brian, his son, and apparently John Gruden coached Zach Taylor okay. when he was a quarterback okay. at Tampa Bay. So yeah, there's yeah. loads of these weird, you know, connections and yeah, nine yeah. degrees of separation and all that kind of business. But it's going to be exciting. I think I think we could win one game next year, but I think it'll at least be exciting. <laughs> there's going to be so. some trick plays. I mean, it's like, do you see that play? Uh, I thought this was a really really exciting. Actually, it was the Rams come out so cold against the Saints? Saints scored. They, they, did, they were down they? by yeah. ten. And it was that punt, fourth and five, and you're basically saying a breeze. On your own, like, 20 or yeah, 30. Yeah, if Breeze goes down and scores, you know, Could it's all sorts over, of trouble. Yeah. And you get Johnny Hecker to throw a curl route. You know, the geezer's gone 10 yards, turn round. Hecker's put it straight on his number. I mean, they're the sort of plays that I think Zach Taylor's going to be... I think there's going to be some stuff, exciting stuff next year. Some flea flickers, some you know option plays, some wildcats maybe, some fake punts, uh, onside kicks, who knows? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, who knows? Well, that is it. Who knows? We're going to be different formations. Still, the big question: What's going to happen to uh, oh, Andy yeah. Dalton? What's? I mean, one thing I forgot to say: like, What's going to happen to AJ Green? It sounds absolutely heinous to mention that, but I think he's good. Thirty-one. I mean, he's still a fantastic player, but he's yeah. thirty-one. He's not finished the past two seasons is there a question there to be asked I think if is you there, went and got a rookie Nathan is there if he went if you went and got a rookie John Ross could be our number one oh don't yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if we went and got a rookie quarterback Green would raise his eyebrows because I think he then knows he's got another year or two before realistically we're yeah. going to be competitive it's, it's going to be really really interesting I think yeah. and you know what I just want this Super Bowl to be over with I just want I know I said last week didn't I selfishly almost it'd do us a favour if the Rams lost get get Zach Taylor in get his staff in you know let's get the wheels moving because now I know it sounds silly but he can't be at the Senior Bowl 
Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he can't be. He, yeah, his coaches right. can't be there. He can't. Well, I'm just. I just pulled up an article uh, from Jeff Hobson, and he's kind of saying that you know he's interviewed Duke Tobin at the Senior Bowl. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So the key, Duke's yeah, yeah. there, and no doubt the the scouts are there, and and all the rest of it but there's no coaching stuff there's no defensive coordinator there's no offensive coordinator no, that's the thing there's no it's a skeleton team because Duke don't know who he's scouting if Zach Taylor's like look like, I reckon we need a new tight end or is this and that you feel, or I want a quarterback yeah exactly because you know I mean? they can't even offer him the job no legally anyway I mean, I'm sure there's probably you know hush hush chats with agents mm. you know in dark alleyways in Cincinnati and stuff but yeah yeah, yeah it's still a bit very interesting yeah I want, it, I want it to I want it I want it to be over Nathan I know it's too long I isn't it, it to be over. two weeks two weeks man. what are we going to do anyway um, i tell you what we're going to do we're going to have another podcast last week that could be the last one for a while yeah um, probably... we're going to do our Super Bowl preview podcast yeah 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 uh, and then after that you know maybe we'll do one because after the Super Bowl Zach Taylor will be announced yeah uh, and then we're going to have a bit of a break I think uh, we've been going at this for pretty much me and Nathan have been going at Slogging it solidly away, we? yeah yeah um, for what four or five months yeah, now been, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so we need a little break we're going to go to Torremolinos together <laughs> Go a few beers on one of Nathan's cheap weekend cheap flights. package holidays. Half <laughs> full. Oh, so we'll we'll tweet out some pictures of me and Nathan, our budgie smugglers, by the pool. Um, but no, so yeah, we're going to do one next week, our Super Bowl preview show. Then a week after, we're going to do something, probably, hopefully, about our new coaching staff, and then we're going to have a break. Um, and uh, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, as ever, you can tweet us at. Day underscore UK. We've got loads of new followers um, since the announcement yesterday. 3K mark looming. Yeah, we set a target of hitting 3,000 followers on Twitter before the Super Bowl. We're only about 50, under 50 actually. So tell all your friends, stick with us. As I say, we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing lots of stuff, lots of videos, and lots of what they call now content, which I hate, but it content is content marketing, mate. Um, we're going to be firing all kinds of stuff out on Twitter. So keep it locked. Uh, and uh, if you're first time listening to this podcast, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'd like to give you a song, not mean. Well, we actually we have sang on the podcast, haven't we? Before, Don't put them on, I'll never listen again. <laughs> we like to play out the song, and uh, in this episode, uh, because we're paying uh, uh, respects, that sounds odd, doesn't it? Really, uh, celebrating the team of 30 years ago and the Super Bowl in 1989. This was number one. Uh, in the British hit parade, and it's Kylie and Jason. So it's uh, it only remains for me to say, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation. <laughs>